Amen. Man, I hope that's our, our prayer and our heart, that God be magnified through our lives. I mean, it's such an honor and a privilege to be standing before you uh, today to open God's Word and to share it. Um, I always joke that it's sometimes like standing in front of my seminary professor when our pastor's in the room and I'm getting ready to preach. So, But man, it is awesome. It's awesome to, man, I love Hope Church. I, I mean, I can't tell that enough. I love um, just being here. I love, um, I love how you pray for us uh, in ministry. And I'll share a little bit at the end uh, about what God uh, has allowed us to do this week um, and seeing lives changed. And that's part of uh, the message uh, towards the end. But we are getting ready to wrap up Second Peter. Man, I get to like, I like, I'm like the closer. I get to close it out. I'm super excited about that. I'm pumped about that. Uh, but man, what an awesome series it's been uh, as we've talked about going all in. And I hope you've got that from the beginning. It's all about going all in uh, on Jesus and all in uh, on Christ. And so we're going to end it today. And, and, you know, I got to thinking about this passage. And if you study it, this is P- Peter's last word. This is, he's getting ready to end, and his life is coming to an end. This is his last word to the church. Man, could you think about what Peter's going through? What's going through his mind? What, what are you going to say to the church as your last thing you're going to say to them? Man, and man, it's a jam-packed uh, passage. And so we're going to jump uh, right in. I'm going to pray again, and we'll just uh, dive right in. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for being able to come and to, to open your word. Because that's really all we have to stand on is your word. Let's put everything else aside. And God, I pray that you'll speak through your word this morning. It's not about me and not about anything else, but it's about you and what you have to speak into our lives this morning. And you're now pray. Amen. We're going to talk about a call to maturity. Peter really just calls us here at the end to, to be mature. But there's a story that comes out of um, Alaska. It goes back to the gold rush, right? Could you imagine during the gold rush time? I mean, everybody's rushing uh, to find this precious metal. Um, and so there's a story that comes out of that time where there was a prospecting party. Uh, they found this little mining cabin uh, just tucked way back into the, the final frontier, as they would call it, uh, way back in, into the mountains. And, and the, the cabin was kind of like, a when they walked up to it, it's kind of like a grave. It was solemn. You could hear it, and there's nothing going on. And when they walked in, they opened the door, they saw two uh, skeletons laying on the floor surrounded by mounds and mounds of gold. I mean, just piles and piles of it. And there was a letter that was written on the table. And it told these two miners' story. See, they had gone way back in looking for that precious metal. And they found it. And they found a lot of it. And it began to consume them. They worked day and night, day and night, And they forgot about what happens in Alaska a certain time of year. The storm started to roll in. And one day they looked up and there's this huge storm, this huge snowstorm. 
but they kept mining gold. And I could imagine what they talked about, these two friends, talked about how they were going to spend their gold and what they were going to buy and what are they going to do with it and all the stuff that they were going to gain from it. But they neglected one thing. They were stockpiling gold, but they forgot to stockpile provisions to make it through the winter. And they looked up one day in this big storm and they're stuck. They can't go anywhere. And they began to use their provisions and one day their provisions run out and they're left there to die next to what they were chasing. Piles and piles of gold. So Peter says in, in verse 10 of chapter 3, 2 Peter 3, verse 10, you know, it's kind of like this story. And what's going to happen on earth. And it says, Peter says, earth itself, the works, the products, the things that produce, they're all going to be destroyed. One day that's going to be destroyed. But wait a minute. The earth was destroyed before in the flood. And God said, it's not going to be destroyed again. But if you read, go back to Noah, you read that God said that the earth's not going to be destroyed by water. Well, he's not going to destroy the earth by water this time. We read in, in 2 Peter, Peter goes into it. He's going to destroy the earth uh, by fire. It's going to be burned up. I'm not a Greek theologian, so if I mess up my Greek here, just bear with me. I'm a, a North Louisiana country boy, so that's how I grew up. So if I butcher it, there you go. Um, takaka, uh, let's see, takataka, I think I got that right, means to burn up. It's, Peter says the earth is going to be consumed by fire. He describes this further on that the elements will be destroyed with intense heat. In fact, he emphasizes the point. He repeats it again in verse 12, adding that the elements actually are going to melt with intense heat. This is what's going to happen when the Lord returns. It's going to be burned up. Everything. In fact, he goes on to, to say that Takaya, I didn't probably butcher that one too, becomes liquid. Everything's going to, it's so going to be so hot that everything's going to become liquid. When the day of the Lord comes, things on the earth are going to get very hot. That good, good old like North Louisiana, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get hot. It's about to happen. It's coming. And so nuclear physics now gives us the understanding of this is really the earth is, is ready to be consumed by fire. But we got to understand here the language that Peter is using, that the day of the Lord is going to be a time of judgment. You're like, man, jump into this passage. It's like, oh, man, it's going to be burned up. That's real encouraging today, right? <laughs> as, we, as Peter starts out. But, you know, he goes on. You think about what happened and go back to Noah's, the flood. Man, he was building this huge boat and it took all these years to build it. And he had lots of mockers and people that said, this ain't going to happen. We have that same today. People, people don't believe that the flood even happened. 
And they don't believe the flood happened because they don't want to believe that it's going to happen again, that God's going to destroy the earth. But in this God's creation, why would God destroy his own creation? You know, Peter says here that there's, there's a reason for his strong warning here. The Lord is coming back. The day of the Lord will come. We can't become complacent and just think, oh, the Lord's got great patience with us. He's going to keep having great patience with us. We have to get ready for him. That's what Peter is telling us here. We have to get ready for him. He's coming back. The question is, the question today and the question throughout this passage is, are we prepared? Are we ready? You know, there's some around us that they don't have the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ. Man, if you don't have the joy of salvation in Jesus Christ, Peter's saying, repent. But those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior must become mature in how we live. People are watching us. People are looking at us to see how we handle things. Are we mature? How are we living? If you got your Bible with me, open the second Peter 3, 10 through 18. It says this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, just like we talked about. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? You ask the question, what kind of people should we be? Catch this, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and the speed it's coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, I love this, with keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Let's stop there for a minute and I'll, I'll continue reading in just a minute. The new heaven and the new earth. When he talks about destroying the the earth by fire. You think about fire. I think about fire. Fire is a, a purging. It's a cleaning. Fire cleans. It purges. You ever seen, I know in North Louisiana we did, um, when we had property and we had tim- big timber companies, timber companies would come through and they would burn off the, the property. And then you would come back of, of not even six months later and it would be new and it would be green. We would do that to our fields a lot of times. We would burn the fields and they would come back new and they'd become green. Why is that? Because it's a purging. It's, it's a purifying. And so you can read a lot of scholars here and there's a lot of different scholars out there and you can read, you know, Piper has some, some John Piper has a lot of stuff on it about the new heavens and new earth and I'm not gonna dive real deep into that. But really, it talks about just a purging. He's not going to totally annihilate everything and burn it all up. It's like a refining fire. It's like refining gold. That's what they do. To get pure, pure, pure gold, they put it into the fire. 
and refine it. And that's what a lot of scholars, and as we read this, that's what the Lord's going to do. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth, but he's purifying the old heaven, the old earth. He, by fire, it's a purifying thing. But as we continue to read in verse 14, so dear, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you. With the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them, speaking in them of these manners. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless, lawlessness, lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be Glory both now and forever. As we've been looking at Second Peter all the way throughout this passage, from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through, Peter has encouraged us to seek him and seek him more. Seek the Lord. That's what Peter's saying. Go all in for Christ. There is no such thing as a part-time disciple of Christ. We've heard that throughout this passage. There's no such thing as a part-time disciple of Christ. As we read in this passage, in the light of the reality of Jesus returning and completing his mission and redemption, how do we respond to this passage? How do we respond that Jesus is coming back and Completing his mission of redemption, how do we respond to it? Man, we can get bogged down. As I looked at this and studied, we can get bogged down in when and how God will bring destruction of the earth. Man, there's people that get bogged down in that. They're always talking about when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. But we don't need to worry about the when and the how. We need to focus on the why And what should we do about it? What should we do about it? As we grow and as Peter calls us to a a maturity, a different level uh, of maturity in Christ, I want to talk about three things today. And you have them in your notes there. If you like to take notes. Three different calls. We find in verse 11 that there is a call to Jesus-informed character and conduct. Peter here expounds on the call to believers to be holy in conduct and character. Look at verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, at peace with him. We have to be, catch this word, catch this word. We have to be diligent. 
you don't remember anything today, remember that word. We have to be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. What does it mean to be spotless? Spotless is to be unstained by the sinful pursuits of the world. Look around us, man. The world is going crazy. Everybody's pursuing this and that. I mean, you turn on the news for a second, and it's all about, man, sin, sin. You see sin, that's what I see. It's going crazy. But we have to be spotless, unstained by the sinful pursuits of the world. To be blameless is to be free from guilt. To be free from, man, that person will be at peace, it says. You know, it only makes sense that in looking at the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells, that we should respond by working on our character and the manner of life in preparation for that rather than giving so much attention to the other things that are going on in the world. The other things that are going on in our life. You know, it says in Matthew that we're supposed to store up treasures where? Store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy. Don't store up treasures on earth. They're just going to be burned up. My Nissan Titan, it's, it's like 10 and a half, 11 years old. It's got 260-something thousand miles on it. I love that truck. I'm probably going to get a new one soon. But that new truck's going to be burned up one day. You can't focus on that. That's the things of the world. Is that bad to get a new truck? No, I probably need a new truck, some people would say. I carry these dogs around. I don't want to be stuck on the side of the road. But do I focus on that? I've got to focus on my character and my conduct and how I carry myself and to, to be spotless, blameless. We have to be diligent to live godly lives. Peter goes on to say in verse 15 through 17, there's a call to be grounded in understanding and perspective. I love, I love this, this part of the passage. Peter uses Paul as an example. But if you remember the story of Peter and Paul, Peter and Paul, they, didn't, they had, had it out at one point. They kind of separated, actually. But Peter comes back to Paul here and uses Paul as an example here. I'm talking about scripture. But we have to be grounded in our understanding and perspective of the scripture. Man, one of the truths that we stand on here at Hope Church is this is the inerrant word of God. The inerrant word of God. And man, Look around us. There's so many people taking this and twisting it for what they want it to say. That's not right. As Pastor Justin says, and we use it in 
North Louisiana too. That ain't right. That ain't right. Peter begins with a call to understanding of the Scripture that the Lord's patience is necessary for salvation. I love that. The Lord's patience is necessary for salvation. We've got to understand the Scripture. He calls us to understand what is taught in the Scripture. We have to be students of this Word. And we have to love this more than anything and dive into it, spend time in it daily. Because we're going to grow deeper and it's going to get harder and harder to stand up for our faith. We have to stand on this, His inerrant Word. We have to be a student of it. Know what it says. But we have to understand, sometimes it's hard to understand. I don't know about you, but it's hard to understand some things. Because sometimes it seems like they're contradicting each other. But we have to understand that, that it's inerrant. That God breathed His Word through these men that penned this Word of God. Don't be surprised that it takes some work to understand it. But it's so worth working for it. It's so worth diving into it. But we, Peter goes on, he said, you know, Christian maturity also requires an understanding in order to be careful of false teachers. We go back to 2 Peter 2 and the first part of 3. Peter talks about these, beware of these false teachers. He describes these teachers here in this passage as untaught. They're ignorant. They're unstable. They distort the teaching of the Scripture. That word distort... And I'm, here's another Greek where I'm going to mess up, chop up. Strabello. I may have got that right, Justin. I don't know. It's an interesting word when you dive into it. And you begin to look it up. It's used, man, listen to this. This is crazy. It's used to refer as torturing someone by twisting them. That's crazy. Man, twisting them. Figuratively, it means to pervert, to torture, to twist, distort language to a false sense of meaning. This is happening all over the world. A few weeks ago, we were at the Empower Conference. You heard us talk about that. Man, it was awesome. We got to hear a message. And I kind of recognized the name of the, the guy that was getting ready to preach. It was the main session. His name was Kosti Hinn. And I kind of recognized that name. I was like, man, I wonder if he's related to Benny Hinn. He was. He's Benny Hinn's nephew. And what a powerful message. 
he came, he gave his testimony on how he came to know the Lord. And, man, he was, he was in deep into the prosperity gospel and the, the twisting of the scriptures for whatever you want to twist it for. But he, he shared, he, he actually went to college on a baseball scholarship to DBU of all places. That's kind of interesting. And so he shared a story about his first class and his professor, um, religion professor, realized his name and said, are you related to Benny Hinn? He said, yes, sir. But he said he knew the scriptures forwards and backwards and he could twist it for what he meant. And that's happening all over our culture, all over the world. Just being twisted for just a little bit to, to gain what they wanted to get from it. But look what Peter says. Christian maturity requires that we be careful of such men. We got to be careful. Because we can be easily, man, we can be easily persuaded if we don't know what the Scripture says. If we're not studying the Scriptures, if we're not a student of the Scriptures, we can be easily persuaded to follow that line of thinking or this line of thinking. We stand in danger of having our thoughts twisted from the truth and falling into the same era of these ignorant, deluded men who operate outside, listen, to operate outside of godly principles. We have to be diligent to understand the Scriptures. And then Peter's last, his last words in verse 18. There's a call to grow daily in the knowledge of the king. There's a call to grow daily in the knowledge of the king. Christian maturity also requires us to understand Jesus Christ. Peter calls us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the same thing Peter expresses in chapter 1, verse 2. In, in his salutation, that we're supposed to grow in the daily, grow daily in the knowledge of our Savior, Jesus. There's a phrase we used to say. If you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, you're dying. We used to use that in the farming world, growing stuff growing up. If it's not growing, man, cut it back. It's dying. You got to be growing. You know, we should be more and more like Jesus as the time goes by. I hope if I look back on my life when I came to know Christ and where I'm at now, I'm not the same as I was at 10 years old as I am now at 40 years old. I know Christ more. I hope we can, as we look back on our life, we have grown and grown 
in Christ and continue to grow in Christ. We strive to be holy because He is holy. 1 Peter 1.16 Peter also said in chapter 1 that it is through the knowledge of Jesus that we find everything we need concerning life, godliness, no matter, or so no wonder, sorry, no wonder he concludes with this encouragement to grow, grow. He starts with it and he ends with it. Grow in the knowledge of Christ. We have to be diligent to grow spiritually. And this is a daily, daily, daily growth. How do we wrap this up? Some of you know my story. Some of you don't know my story. So I spent 19, 20 years uh, in student ministry. I loved being a youth pastor. It was awesome. But Melissa and I came to a crossroads in our, in our life. We just adopted our daughters or we both, we had had both of them a little bit and man, there was just an, there was just a longing for something going on in our life. And I'm, I met with a gentleman one day and had barbecue, his Dickie's barbecue. And he had a very unique ministry we got to use these Labrador retrievers to share the gospel all over the country. And I was like, that's really cool. And he said, you know, Justin, I don't know what's going on in your life. This is where, but I feel like, I didn't know this, but he was looking for his, the person to pass this ministry on to. And he said, he looked me dead in the eye and said, I believe you're that person. And I about... My, after I picked my jaw up off the floor or the table, I said, really? Crazy thing is God's been impressing on Melissa and I to pray and that he had something for us that we needed to do. And so I called Melissa right after and she said, you know, Justin, I don't know what you and Hank and Ted met about, but, you know, God told me, this is when you, you've been married as long as I have, that you listen to your wife. You should listen to your wife all the time. But she said, I don't know what y'all talked about, but God told me this morning that we need to do whatever y'all talked about. I was like, okay. So we stepped away from a really nice ministry that God was doing things in. And we stepped out in complete faith and said, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. That's been six years ago. And over 8,000 professions of faith later. But it's not, I don't tell this to say it's about me. It's about following God. And being at a place in your life where you're mature enough to say, you know what, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what. So, let's roll it back a year ago. Man, we're going and we're blowing and we're going and we're doing things. And this little thing called COVID hits and shuts us down completely. 
shuts us down completely. And then we're, we're having this conversation one day, Melissa and I, and we're like, what are we going to do? I guess we need, I mean, we don't know this when this is going to end. Uh, and we've had these conversations. Do we need to go do something else? And But we go back to say, you know what? No. We just need to keep following Jesus. We need to keep diving into his word. We need to keep going. We need to keep sharing. There's a lost world out there that doesn't know Christ, and God's given us a tool. Though it's unique, God's given us a tool, and we need to keep doing it. So this week, and you pray for us as a church, and we're, we're, we're a ministry arm of this, this church, and we're blessed by that. This week, I find myself Wednesday night, I find myself in Shreveport, Louisiana, at Calvary Baptist Church, back sharing the gospel through these awesome dogs that God's given us. And through Wednesday night and through Thursday morning at a chapel service where we're speaking to students, two chapel services, over 30 students came to know Christ this week. There's a world out there that's looking and searching. They want to know about the gospel. And we can't stop going. We can't stop serving. But we have to be diligent. Grace, you can bring him up here now because everybody knows he's back there because he's whining like a baby. Come on. We're going to finish with this. I want to introduce you to what we like to call in our ministry the next wave of warriors. I want to introduce you to Judah. Judah came to live with us last night. This is Judah. But I want to drive home this point with this. Judah is nothing. He's just a chocolate lab little puppy that's cute, that's whining like crazy. But he's nothing if I don't put the time. And if I'm not diligent daily to spend the time with him, to train him to do what the other dogs do. Yeah, he could just be an awesome dog, just lay on the couch. But he's got a higher calling on him. Because we brought him into the ministry that God's called us to. But I have to be diligent to spend the time with him. We're called to go and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all. I've commanded you, Matthew 28. But we have to be diligent to get into his word. We have to be diligent to live godly, holy lives. We have to be diligent to grow daily in the knowledge of our King. Here, Grace, I want to call as the band comes up. Thank you, Grace. I want to call us to this today. We're going to end different. It says in Second Chronicles, We've heard this passage, 714, it says this, If my people who are called, we're called by my name, will humble themselves 
and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Can you agree with me today that our land needs healing? It may need physical healing, but more than that, it needs spiritual healing. But we're called to pray and to seek His face. I don't know where you're at today. And I never end a a message without making this call. Maybe, Maybe you've never in your life You've never prayed to receive Christ. You can't start this journey until you start this journey. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. His death on the cross, and He didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the grave, conquered death in the grave for you and for me. He says that Jesus says Himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus do we have a way to stand in the new heaven and new earth that we talked about. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you never made that decision. We're going to end like we've never ended before. We're, I'm going to ask Pastor Justin. Justin Pastor Justin is going to be up here in a moment. And we're going to have a, a time of invitation. I just want to invite you, if you've never prayed to receive Christ, man, come find Pastor Justin. I'll be down here also. Man, I'd love to talk with you. But if you have, I want to call us to live a mature life. But it starts with prayer. I don't know about you, but I have names that roll around in my head that I know personally. I'm not sure they know Jesus. I'm not, I'm pretty sure. My neighbors across the street, they don't know Jesus. And I don't know when God's going to call them home or he's going to come back. But it's, I'm called to go share with them. But it starts with prayer. Are you burdened? Do you have a heart, just a burning desire in your heart for the lost that are surrounding us? But that only begins on our knees. We can't do anything without Jesus. So here's what I want to do. I just want to open the altar up. Maybe you want to come up here and pray for a neighbor, a coworker. When's the last time we shed a tear for the lost around us? Maybe we want to come up here and pray for a family member. Maybe you want to come with your spouse and pray for a child. Just want to have a time where we just fall on our knees. Ask Jesus for boldness. Ask Jesus to save the lost. Help us to grow in the knowledge of him. Father God, I just come to you right now. And I pray that you give us a passion. You give us a desire to, to go 
but it begins on our knees. Weeping for the lost. God, I pray that you bless this time. God, I pray, just give us a heart for you and a heart to go all in with you and for you. In your name I pray, amen.